This is an APAC EO production. Welcome to episode 90 of the EO Business Podcast for APAC. I'm Brendan Tarazzi, the host of the show, and today I'm with Doron Kalinko from visiondirect.com.au. Hi, mate. How are you? That's right. I'm fantastic. Thank you. How are you? I'm I'm really well. I'm really keen to get your story out. Um, about glasses. Tell tell us about what you do and how long you've been going for. Yeah, so um, we're a, a leading designer eyewear uh, e-retailer um, operating in 20 countries around the world, um, selling sunglasses, um, prescription glasses and contact lenses. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been going for around 15 to 16 years. I think the telling side for me was uh, a couple of weeks ago we were in a forum together and we had some guest speakers and you were there and the guest speakers came in and they said, oh, I just bought a pair of glasses and we worked out it was from your brand. You must uh, – how have you sort of become so big? Uh, um, it was, that was a very humbling experience. I love, I love hearing people uh, say that. Um, I think I think the thing for us, um, yeah, we're we're an interesting, you know, very entrepreneurial story. Um, I think we, in our early days, we focused a lot on scale, and one of the crazy things we did um, is we went global very very early. So um, when we started to see some success in the Australian market, we then built a global platform. Um, that allowed us to sell in more than 20 countries around the world. So I think it was sort of um, being um, very ambitious, not very smart, I think, at the time, because I don't think we realised how difficult it would be to be in so many markets simultaneously. Mm. But because because all of, because of our, all of our competitors were traditionally focusing on one market and we built a global platform, we sort of created a different, a different approach to the industry and that helped us sort of scale really quickly, and that gave us a unique advantage, I think, in the in the market. So, are you guys manufacturers, or are you distributors, or are you both? We're both. Okay, and so I guess if you're manufacturers, tell us how that works. If you're in twenty different countries, and I'm assuming that like one of your value propositions is fast delivery, or yes, how, um, how, how do you actually? How do you manage that? Does yeah. that mean you've got 20 different manufacturing plants or? Yeah, um, we, so we do everything centrally. Um, I'd say we're not a manufacturing, uh, uh, you know, manufacturer uh, per se. We have our own brands that we then subcontract out for manufacturing. So we do sort of run brands and therefore produce products. Um, but in terms of the where the the, the we, we whatever the main things that we do we have a very strong um, culture around I'd say two things is one is what we call um, uh, global efficiency um, and for sorry scale efficiently and localize uh, globally and um, it's all around being as efficient as possible uh, and cent- sorry centralized. Sorry, centralized efficiently and localized globally. Mm-hmm. And it's about being as centralized and efficient as we can. So we try and do things in, in clusters and, um, and try and centralize everything that we do in terms of our systems, our relationships, 
um, how we produce the products, sometimes how we procure products, um, how we run our supply chains. Um, we try and do that as centrally as we can. And then what we do is we try and localize ourselves as best we can when it comes to customer service and delivery and, and these sort of areas. So we're, we're always playing with those two concepts of how do we be really efficient to drive scale in economies um, and also how do we um, deliver the best possible experience that we can to from a local perspective, from a customer perspective. So, so just on that point, does that mean 20 different domain names and then how does that work from a, like say from an SEO point of view, does that mean you've got yes. a, I don't know, one article gets translated into 20 different uh, languages or? Uh, yes. Yeah, so we have, um, yeah, we've got specific website domains um, per market in, in, let's say, 20 countries. Um, so every site is in its own language, its own currency. Um, sometimes the the product assortment and, and the way the website works is localized for that market. But then we have one central backend that then um, deals with all of that um, complexities in a centralized mm -hmm. in a centralized way. So it's sort of, it's one core um, back end with sort of many front ends. You know yeah, I mean? right. What what platform are you operating the business on? <laughs> that, uh, completely customized and, and built in house. So oh, we, you poor thing. That's that's, that. sounds, exactly, it's, yeah. uh, it sounds <laughs> like it's uh, that's that's a very challenging. Exactly. Yeah, and we we even tried to use different platforms before, um, and that made it worse. So um, yeah. everything is custom built from the ground up. So yeah. it's a very bespoke platform and. It's very complex as well. I mean, we think sort of selling glasses is sort of easy. You know, you have a product and you sell it, but the complexity of our business model selling in 20 different markets. We're also selling prescription glasses, putting the lenses with the frames. We're selling contact lenses, which is like a replenishment business. We're selling over 200 brands and over 100,000 uh, SKUs. So um, and we have sort of regional logistics facilities that, that um, deliver the goods depending on where the customer is. So, it's really, really complex um, dealing with foreign exchange. <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's a very, it's a, yeah, it's a very, very complex uh, platform that, that we've, we've. There was no, there was no other way to do it but to, but to make yeah. it custom. So, are you the designer, or do you have business partners? Like when I say designer, I mean, did you come up with this grand scheme, or, or how? <laughs> Yeah, we yeah. There's three co-founders in the business, so I'm all Australian, um, all living in different parts of the world. <laughs> and, so that would that would um, actually be helpful, yeah. right? If you if you have three found co-founders living in different time yeah. uh, time scales, I guess. So correct yeah. time zones, um, I should say. Yeah, that, that's that's something I think that was that was um, sort of the key to our success. Um, and a very important differentiating point for us in our journey is we had three, you know, founders, three co-founders. We, we started the business all at the same time. Um, and we all, we all took accountability for different parts of the business. And in general, we were all living in different parts of the world. And um, we also never raised outside capital in the beginning. So we were very, very execution driven. We worked really hard in the beginning and, we built a very um, profit-driven and ROI-driven culture and approach to how, the, how we operate um, the business. And that's um, helped us grow and build an amazing culture within our business as well. So um, because we started from scratch and we bootstrapped it and we, we really, um, I would do street fighted in every single 
way possible to get the company off the ground. It built a, a great passion and culture and and um, platform for us um, to grow. And we've got many funny stories of um, how how we started the business, you know, with with nothing. We didn't have much money to our own name, let alone us being able to live and pay rent and things like that. Versus, um, you know, investing in the business and having it grow. So we we did some pretty funny things over the years, um, or some pretty cool stories of of um, of the work that we used to do, you know, just to to hustle and get the business going. So that was that was mm-hmm. a very interesting part of, of what we did as well to build an e-commerce, a global e-commerce business at scale in the beginning with no with no external investment was was pretty much impossible. So you said you said in the beginning you didn't have external investment. Has that changed now? Has it? Uh, we have, we do have, um, we never took any, um, we, we, we do have um, strategic um, interest in our business now okay. that we took at a much later stage, but it wasn't around growth or needing money to operate. It was more sort of, um, you know, for strategic reasons. Okay. And more, you know, yeah. So that, in other words, the partners brought something to the table that's much more valuable than cash. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we never, we've never taken money for 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 money. We've never taken investment for money reasons. It's been, um, you know, and um, yeah. And so, when this partner is it just one partner that you've strategic partner you've taken on, or have you got a number? Or uh, we have a couple. Yeah, um, we have a we have a couple now. Yeah. And were they with that? Going back to that first strategic partner, were they? Tell us about the courting period. Were they just kind of like blown away how you'd got it to this level without any external investment, or what was it? What was yeah, the fee- what was um, the feedback? Because that would be kind of, you know, it's your it's your baby, and then someone actually is knocking on your door saying, uh, we want "Yeah, a part I think of it this. was." Um, yeah, it, I think um, we, um, we 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 started taking investment only after sort of more than ten years of operating. So it yeah. was it was, and um, there were certain people that we were or companies that we were working with closely. So you know we built really strong relationships in the industry over the years, and um, it, it was more sort of a solidification of 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 a great relationship that we already had. So mm. it was it wasn't anything random. It was sort of natural and organic within within the business, and that's how we've done all of our investments since. Yeah. It's been sort of as you've said, you know. Um, you know, companies that we work with and they help add value, um, you know, in, in how in how they operate and how we operate together, you know. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we've never seeked out financial capital uh, for mm-hmm. investment. Oh, sorry, we've never accepted, I would say, uh, financial capital. We have spoken to the to capital markets and, you know, institutional investors, VCs and PEs a lot. We have we have um, thought about it and and being in processes we've already considered it, but we've never we've never pressed the button. Yeah. Yeah. And why is that, do you think? You just you're not ready or I mean you how old are you now, Duron? Uh, um, as a person or a, yeah, as, as, as a human being. As a human being. How, how many uh, <laughs> yeah, how many years uh, have you been on? I'm 43. I'm okay. 43. Yeah, so you're still like super young and Yeah. Um yeah I think yeah. Yeah we just the business never needed money, so because which is sort of a weird thing when we talk to a lot of digital entrepreneurs and other entrepreneurs, it's we always had these conversations with institutional investors where we didn't really need the money to grow, and therefore what we what we were going to give up to because you know it's it's sort of cool and nice to have institutional investors, and there are advantages to that, 
But whenever we got down to those very tough conversations with them around what we needed to give up in order mm. for them to give us money, we, we, and we weighed it up. And because we didn't really need the money, we just we didn't want to. We wanted to be the entrepreneurs. We wanted to really control the business destiny. We didn't want to bring any other, you know, agendas in because we have sort of a a very strong culture in our business around around growth and about you know around social um, uh, responsibility and how we want to grow the business um, and how we want to operate. And we didn't want to have any third parties sort of involved yeah. in that. And, and when it sort of came down to the crunch that we just didn't want to give up, um, you know, things that we would have needed to, you know, to be in, you know, to entertain, you know, such, such investors. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, in other words, guess, you got, yeah. you got your freedom. Exactly. In, in some way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What do you mean in some ways? Ah, I mean, we need to, we need to deliver and we need to operate it. You know, we need to be successful as a company and grow yeah. with the right values and culture. And, you know, so yeah, from a, from a, Without, you know, one of the things I guess is challenging, you know, for any, you know, e-commerce or digital founder is, yeah, dealing with their shareholders and their cap table. And that, that's something luckily that we isn't isn't a big issue for us and, and mm. allows us to naturally grow the business um, yeah. without any any agendas that 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 would get in the in the way of doing what's best for the company rather than what's best for a particular part a particular style yeah. of shareholder. Yeah. And so the two other co-founders, are they like are they old mates or how did how did you come about getting into business with those guys? Or I'm sorry, yeah, I'm, I shouldn't assume that they're guys, but um, it's an interesting yeah, it's an interesting story. Um, uh, I met both co-founders quite randomly. One one was uh, was my Chinese language exchange partner that I met in in Sydney. It was a um, Australian person, but born in China, um, mm. and. Um, I was very 15 years ago before I started the business. I was very fascinated with with China and uh, you know being an entrepreneur. You know, I was I guess I was fascinated with two things: China and and how e-commerce would change the world. And I really wanted to focus on those two areas. So yeah. I thought I thought that learning Chinese would be a really good way of of um, of doing that, and and eventually moving to China because um, I was living in China for more than 15 years. In, in growing the business and oh right um so when, yeah, when, did, and, when did you when did you come back to sydney how long ago was that uh, a, a few years ago during during covid oh okay yep yep sorry sorry go so, on yep. yeah so one was my uh, i met a really interesting guy and it was with my language exchange partner where we would sort of meet in sydney and, and exchange culture and and you know um he, he would he would help me um improve my uh, my chinese mm -hmm. and she sorry and he would uh, and, you know, and I would help him um, sort of, you know, he was spent most of his life in China. So sort of, I would say cultural exchange is of understanding the Australian culture. And in, in during those conversations, the idea of the birth of this company um, started. And right. the other, the other co-founder, um, the other co-founder um, was a friend of mine from university that I'd met during university days mm -hmm. um, many years before that was a good friend of mine. So uh, we were all lucky, sort of, we came together at a time where it was really good timing. We were all sort of either leaving or in the process of leaving our full-time jobs or finishing university or our MBAs and, and thought, okay, now was the time. So that was sort of how it started. Um, and we, there was, I think my one co-founder was, was in Sweden where he started there and then eventually moved and set up our Hong Kong office. Mm -hmm. And then my other co-founder, Tony, um, he 
started started our operation in Australia and then eventually moved to China. Uh, and then, you know, I, w- I was in China and then eventually moved back to Australia. So we've yeah. all sort of been different parts of the world. And, and so you've had, um, you've had, sounds like you've had a long, successful career with your co-founders. What, can you sort of attribute anything that's made it work? Like what, what's been the key to the success, do you think? I think, yeah, fundamentally, each founder, I think probably a, a values alignment and um, we're all, you know, very loyal, um, you know, trustworthy and, and very values-driven people. So I think because we because we have that approach and, and we sort of care about what's best for the business, it, it's been a very natural mm. and seamless relationship over those years, never been... Yes, we argue about business strategy and and, what, and you know how best to what are the best strategies for the business and how best to execute. But from a fundamental perspective about you know what are we doing on this planet and um, what sort of people we are and what values we have and and you know what we value, those are very much uh, aligned. And yeah. I think also because we we all start the business together at exactly the same time um, at exactly the same point, and we started you know at that point we've. We've started at one point and we're continuing in, on that yeah. journey. So I think yeah. the way that we started and, and you know, the, so the way that we operate has is, is probably helped that, that process. Can you remember how long it took to go for, you, you know, you were saying at the, the beginning parts it was very hard and you were scrapping to, to pull, pull everything together and build this global platform. Yeah. How long did it take um, for you guys to get to the point where, I don't know, you were making good money or money was no longer a... A um, you know, a, a key driving factor in the success of the business. Uh, probably ten years. Ten years, yeah, yeah. And mm. was did you say it was been twenty now that you've been going, or uh, about fifteen? Fifteen, okay. So mm. ten years to break out of that. I like I I have this theory with um, all the small businesses. Like yours sounds like a much bigger business than what I've ever had, but with small businesses, it takes. I've noticed between five and six years to yep. break out of what I call kind of just a wages scenario. So, you know, you'd be earning an average wage for five, six years, and then you have this leap forward where you're suddenly making profits. And um, Yeah, I think, yeah, I think also for us, because we were self-funded, our first 10 years, our strategy was to redeploy um, everything back into the business. Yeah. So yeah. we had a very aggressive approach of um, of just any possible uh, opportunity we had to reinvest we, we did yeah so um, it was a pretty um, pretty bold and and um, strong cycle which we had to do because we didn't have the luxury of of outside funds yeah and I mean it's unique that you've been able to align all the three partners to swim in the same direction so that's that's amazing yeah yes so 15 years into it what's um, what's next for vision direct like what are the opportunities and where do you think you're going to yeah. see the business from here? Yeah, it's super exciting. You know, we, we see um, we see our industry, you know, the optical industry being um, slowly disrupted. Um, even today, the percentage of people that buy um, prescription glasses and optical products online are, is, very, is a very small percentage compared to the market. Yeah. And... Um, so we just see that we haven't really even started. We think there's going to be a, a continued shift of buying online. Um, one of the 
One of the big changes will be the online eye test, which will come, which is starting to be developed now and already being launched and will come more and more into, into fruition over the next few years. And so online a, eye test is your proprietary program, is that right? Or uh, no, we, we we cooperate with other companies that um, are specialists in in these areas. Yeah, yeah. Um, to take us to take a step back, one of the previous barriers uh, of our market of people buying online was trying the glasses on. Yeah. Um, but then we, we then you know augmented reality came along and you can try on the glasses digitally in an even better experience, you know, very accurate um, than what one would get in an optical store. Yeah, so wow. We, we, so we believe from a try-on perspective, we've, we've improved the experience from a physical store um, for a whole bunch of reasons. One is, you know, just try, you know, a store typically has a very small assortment relatively to online of, of glasses and to try on 10 or 20 pairs that you like in the store is challenging in terms of time and whether you can even find 10 or 20 that you would want to try on, whereas right. online, sorry. I was just going to say, not to mention that you then probably feel obligated after you've tried on those 20 pairs oh, right. of glasses to, to buy yes. something. Yeah. Yeah. And the time, whereas with our, with our website, you can, you can scan your face and yep. then you can try on glasses. Once you've scanned your face once, you can see how you look in thousands of glasses of Indian oh. without having to try on every single one. That's right? incredible. So, That's incredible. Yeah. And the other thing is for me, you know, I wear prescription glasses and when I take my glasses off in the store, I can't see anything. So <laughs> my nose is like right up to the yeah. mirror. I can't even yeah. see. Yeah. Whereas yeah. again, with the technology, once you scan your face, you can put your glasses back on and you can see how you look in all those glasses. So you can yeah, make a better wow. decision. Okay. So, so the, the try-on we think is, is, has been improved and, and will continue to improve as technology gets better. And then the next major barrier is the eye test, which will go in the same direction. Mm. And then we also see in the future uh, that, um, that, you know, eye health and telehealth will also be a big theme. So I think the, so the, the, the summary is that we believe we're only in the beginning of our industry of, of people buying online. And mm. our goal is to, is to be the gold standard um, and to and make the experience on our website far superior than, than in any than an offline experience yeah. um, of refractive eye care, which is includes the eye test. Yeah. So, um, so we, we believe that the eye test will be completely online and yeah. we'll be, you know, and, and once that, once that is then online, then, you know, the, then there isn't much reason to be in the store because yeah. you get a better price online, you get a better assortment online. You, it's a lot more convenience. Yeah. Um, you know, and you can have the eye test and the trial and all those other advantages as well. So that's where sort of we see the industry going and, and you know, that's what we want to it, it continue to, um, to assist in that process for, for customers to make that experience just, you know, the best possible. So, so I was going to ask, this is just a, a purely selfish question, but if you're into sunglasses, can you do that try on thing in your store as well? Yes. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, so like you could but, go. You got. You like. You'd stop all the major, major sunglass brands. I take it Ray Bans, yeah. Carreras, and all that. Yeah. So we sell over um, two hundred of the world's best brands of both wow. sunglasses and eyeglasses. So yeah, we're a superstore of everything, and you can go in there and try on, you know, a whole bunch of things. Oh, and, that's amazing. Um, yeah. 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 It's very cool. Um, on a personal note, how many pairs of sunglasses in the collection, Duran? 
<laughs> I actually only wear. I don't. I don't have. I don't possess a pair of sunglasses actually because uh, oh, I, right. I wear glasses. But I, yeah. I, I do have the transition lenses. So yeah. Yeah. when I when when I go outside, my glasses turn into sunglasses. And yeah. Yeah. because I have young children. Um, and I'm a bit of a boring father. There's there's been one type of style that I like, and I've got about a few pairs of exactly the same style yeah. that I now I, I know don't break when when my kids try and yeah. grab them off my face. So I'm yeah. pretty boring in that that regard. I was I was envisaging you having this you know walk-in wardrobe with all the different glasses, <laughs> and you go, oh, today I'm going to wear this one. And <laughs> I guess you got warehouses um, full of that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, to keep it up for the customers, not enough for me. Yeah, fair, fair enough. That's excellent. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, it's been great um, hearing a little bit about your story. Thanks so much for uh, sharing that with us. If yeah, my pleasure. EOs want to um... – oh, sorry, I will just ask one other quick question. We've got a minute or so. Uh, EO, what are, you, what are you doing? You're on the board at the moment. Yeah. Well, um, tell I us a little year... bit about what you do. Yeah, I did a year of uh, membership, so um, yep. around the recruitments um, yep. for EO Sydney, and um, we're very close to hitting 200 members, which is yep. the largest number we've ever had, and that, yep. that puts us in the top five or top ten globally in terms wow. of the largest chapters. So yep. we've grown amazingly um, this year, um, and um, yeah, the main my main role is to speak to potential new members and bring them on board and and bring them through to the other parts of our board that were to help in their integration yeah, and development awesome. through their EO journey. Yeah. Well, thanks very much for that, helping out the chapter like that, mate. That's, uh, that's fantastic. Absolutely. So just yeah. finally, if people want to find out more about uh, Vision Direct, uh, just give us one website. Like you don't need to give us the whole 20, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> VisionDirect.com.au. Oh, there you so go. That's one to go to. Nice yeah. and easy. Okay, Duran, thanks, thanks so much. Thanks, Brendan. We'll be in touch. You've been listening to an APAC EO production. I hope you've been enjoying listening to the podcast. If you are, it'd be great if you could help us out by leaving us a review and sharing this with friends and colleagues.